I'm sharing a standalone message this morning. And next week, we're starting a brand new series uh, from Pastor George. I'm not going to give you the title of what that series is. I don't want to ruin it. But I will say that it's the first time in six years, six years, five years, that we're tackling this topic on a Sunday in that way. Okay, so have I stirred some excitement for next week? <laughs> That's my best effort at, at getting us excited and, and inviting someone to come to church next Sunday. I really am looking so, so, so forward to this. Pastor George said, look, if I am going to you know, preach on this topic, you might as well have me for four weeks. Get it all out, and then you're going to wait another six years. So we've got him for four weeks. I might be sharing week four live here, um, but for the first three, we'll be streaming from our senior pastor to, uh, to hear what um, he has to say about this particular topic. Okay. But for today, I'm going to be sharing a standalone message, which I'll get to in just a bit. But I do hope that January has, has been a good one for you so far. I just wanted to, uh, to say that I've had a few conversations with people during the week. It seems like January's gotten off to a, a flying start, not even hitting the ground running. We're hitting the ground flying. So I hope that it's been good to you, parents. I know that uh, you are happy that your kids are back at school since Wednesday. On the parents actually saying, oh, I wish I had them for another week. No. Um, parents, I'm sure you're happy that uh, the kids have been back at school. I hope that's gone well. And if you are in, uh, I've got a little note here to mention, if you are in January, holding on for the end of the month, payday, watching the race of the fastest debit order unfold, <laughs> don't worry, we are almost there, folks. We'll be, we'll be um, sharing on that in just a bit, actually. But I really do believe that th that this is going to be a big year for us as, as as a church, as a nation. I think the water's stirring, and I believe that we, if we are brave enough as the church to step into that water, we will see God do miraculous things this year. I really do believe that. It's a theme that's coming coming up over and over again, and I really want for us as a church to be ready and eager to receive that. You know, we often pray prayers, and then I sometimes wonder how ready we are to receive them. And so a lot of the conversations actually that we've shared on Sundays have been talking about that exact thing. How do we ready ourselves for what God is going to do? The first Sunday of the year, you might remember, we shared communion together. And that was our way of making sure that we place Christ at the center of, of our lives at the start of the year. And then last week, uh, Jessie from Bredar, she shared a word on the love of God, how that is a, a fortress for us as believers, how we can operate from a place of victory in God's love as we look forward and, and ready ourselves to receive what God has installed this year. And even during our daily devotions, uh, some of you might know that every weekday morning, seven o'clock, Father's House Church goes live on Facebook and YouTube, and we share a short five to 10 minutes encouragement. Uh, some of the pastoral team, we uh, take turns and we, and we give a little uh, five, five, 10 minute spiritual fuel injection for the day. And currently we're in a series called Wholehearted to be wholeheartedly devoted to God. It's all sort of speaking the same, this, this kind of same language, looking forward, um, finding our footing or, or, or finding sure footing for our feet and, and, and building big this year. That's kind of what we're talking about. And so this morning, I want to I wanna take that one step further and ask the following question. So we're going we're gonna to imagine that we're at the end of 2023 for a, for a minute. It's like we've time traveled a couple of months. How will you know if you look back at the end of this year, that you built something, that you made a difference in some way, that's different to what you would have made had you not been a Christian. How would you, how would you know that there was a difference if you look back at the end of the year at what you, know, you had built and said, what's the difference between you know, what I could have done as a believer and what a good person could have done? 
you know, a good person might look back and say, I felt like this was meaningful. And, and a believer would look back and say, that was something I built and invested into and I'm proud of this year. What would be the difference? Could you tell the difference? And why is that important? Interesting, interesting topic. And now just to mention, um, I'm not for one second suggesting that good people can't make a good difference, right? That's not what I'm saying at all. I know plenty of people, for example, who have a good marriage that aren't Christians. Is that a shocking thing to say? Anyone know any good people that have a good marriage that aren't, that aren't, that aren't Christians? Entirely possible, right? I know good people that are very generous, that give lots away to the poor and to the needy, not Christians. So what, so what would you look back on this at, at the end of this year and go, that's a difference between what I could do as a good person and as a believer? I wondered, I wondered about that, what that differentiating factor would be. And, and I thought, you know, it's, it's important that we discover and embrace what that is. Because there's a mindset out there in society that I think is gaining momentum. And it goes one of two ways. It says one of two things. Firstly, it says, you know what? I'm living as a good person. I do good things. I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I don't see how this God thing that you guys are talking about is going to make any difference to my life. It doesn't seem relevant to me. It sounds like a self-help program, if I'm honest. Anyone ever heard someone say that? I've heard it said numerous times over the last couple of weeks. So they go, I'm fine. Thank you very much. And, you know, seeing as I'm a good person, doing good things, would you like me to buy you lunch? Out of my domini. And I'll say, yes, well, if you are buying lunch, I'll have the lamb shank, please. Thank you very much. No. Or the other mindset, the other thing that this, that this worldview says is in the church, Christians, some Christians will say, you know what? I'm saved. The Lord Jesus has redeemed me. I'm all good. I'm going to heaven. Um, I do this church thing, you know, even give, pray. But when it comes to the getting involved, making a difference, I'm not sure that I could add anything of value. You know, I'm not one of the young, energetic bunch. <laughs> That, uh, that, can, that can make this difference. You know, maybe, maybe it's for them. Maybe I'm excluded. You know, I've been down this road before. I'm a, I've been there, you know, got the T-shirt, so I made my own T-shirt, you know. Um, I'm, I'm okay. Those two, those two mindsets are quite prevalent in society and in the church. And I want us to address those because you don't want either of those two things coming through in our language, do you? You don't want to either market Christianity as this self-help program that seems rather complicated and burdensome that the world goes, you know what, I'm not too sure if I want to adopt that as my own, or you don't want to become disengaged as a believer and sit back out of the game because we couldn't recognize the unbelievable treasure and power that we carry as the Lord's children, as his kids. Neither of those two situations would be helpful. And so this morning, church, I want to share three passages of Scripture with you and talk to you about the three categories of spiritual gifts, the three categories of spiritual gifts and the role that they play, both in furthering the message of the gospel to the world and equipping the church, the believer, to make a difference in someone else's life, make an eternal difference in, in, in someone else's life. That's, that's where we're going this morning. And I've entitled our message, Built Different. Built different, you know, that's, uh, that seems to be a trending uh, theme on, on uh, TikTok and whatever lately. And I saw this really, really funny one with this buff guy who puts that egg on his bicep. Anyone, anyone seen that? No? This really, really buff guy, Sherwin's seen it. He puts this egg in and he, and he squeezes, he flexes and the egg breaks. And he's like, I'm built different. You know, he says to the camera, all this buff guy. And then this really thin girl, like 
tiny, tiny, puts the egg in her arm and goes, and then she like looks at the camera with this awkward, what now? You know, you're supposed to be built different. Doesn't seem like you've got any, any special abilities that the normal human being carries. But the message is entitled Built, built Different. And, and we're going to look at those three categories of, of spiritual gifts. Who gives them? How to receive them? And what they're for? So that you can step into this year knowing you are building something that has a kingdom impact that leaves an eternal impact this year. That's where we, where, we, where we want to go. So it might be a little bit more of a teaching message than a preaching message this morning. Is that okay? Are we okay for a little bit of, little bit of teaching this morning? But before we unpack what those, what those are, I want, to, I want us to have a look at a couple of verses that, that really help lay some groundwork, some biblical foundations to this, to this topic of, of, of spiritual gifts. This is, this is going to help us understand the role and the purpose that spiritual gifts play. One or two key foundations. Because we don't want to start off with, with the incorrect um, foundations later. Right? We want to make sure that we fulfill our roles well. So the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. Paul's letter to the church. Uh, it was a crazy church, as we know. And he's writing to address some of these issues. And this is, this is what he says right near the beginning in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Sure, some of us have probably heard that verse quoted, right? Old Testament, Isaiah. Then he goes on to say, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Amazing. You're saying these were mysteries, things hidden, but by the Spirit, God has revealed these things to us. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Just pause there for a moment, um, production. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Isn't it amazing to know that the Holy Spirit living inside of us is revealing the deep things of God to us? That's such a powerful principle, isn't it? The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Then he goes on to say, for, no, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if the Spirit's revealing things to us and the Spirit comprehends the thoughts of God, then we have the thoughts of God revealed to us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That is so, so powerful. You know, this verse is saying, every born again believer has access to the spirit. He's fully accessible. And guess what? He's fully in tune with the things of God. That's an amazing thing. We're, we're not simply just humans going through life without any, you know, weaponry on our side, any, anything to help us build. No, you've got, you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And He's searching the deep things of God and He's revealing those things to us. This is saying that there's a difference between spiritual understanding and human understanding. There's some things that can be understood spiritually. And this is what He's talking about. You know, for example, you might hear that God loves you and has a plan for you. I'm sure some of us have been sent a WhatsApp or got a card or something at some point in our lives and said, God, God, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Now, on the one hand, you might be able to receive that as information. I know this, this fact. Yes, it is true. God loves me. But by the Spirit, that information becomes revelation. That's the difference. You see, this, the Spirit of God will take the information that God loves you and turn it into a heart revelation. Where in a moment, you suddenly wake up and you go, I feel like I've got life in my veins for the first time. And that's what the Spirit does. He's taken that information and He's turned it into revelation for you. That's what spiritual truth is. That's what He does. Such a powerful thought that all these mysteries are now revealed because of the Spirit. And so it also, I guess, shows us the difference between good and godly, doesn't it? 
It shows us the difference between worldly and kingdom, temporary and eternal. And that we as the children of God have access to this eternal truth that, 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 that God has promised us. So we have an invitation this morning, church, according to this verse, to step into kingdom living this year, knowing, knowing this. And, and when we do, I really am confident that we will see unprecedented breakthrough in our lives. It starts by recognizing what we have on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. So one, more, one or two more passages, actually, just to lay, some, uh, lay, lay down some groundwork. The first one is, it's fully accessible, right? Fully accessible. Secondly, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it's not about us. It's, a, it's about the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, it's the famous passage on spiritual gifts, says this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Who does the empowering? God. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, can everyone say common good? Common good. So according to this verse, which I absolutely love so, so, so much, we have a clear understanding of the role that spiritual gifts play, both in our lives individually and in the church corporately. You know, this, this, this text reveals that spiritual gifts are not meant to be compared with other people. You know, they aren't meant to be uh, ranked or, or bragged about. You know, I'm sure some of us probably have seen this too, but there was that, that thing in church that was like this chasing of the gift, you know, mindset that happened. Everyone kind of ran after the, the proverbial holy man of God, you know, that had this wonderful gift that only he could carry. And, you know, we, we needed to follow him. And, and it was all about this person, you know, and everyone kind of chased this thing. Oh, he's got the gift of that or she's got the gift of this. And it really became about us as, as people. Whereas a clear understanding of this text reveals that it's not about us at all. It's about the spirit. It's for God's glory for people. It's got nothing to do with us. And, you know, this, is the, this, I think, is a really important fundamental point to kind of start on when we, when we start talking about spiritual gifts, is to know that I'm not getting this thing so I can put it on my Christian CV, you know, get better heaven points one day or whatever. This is me saying, God, how can you use me to benefit others for the common good so that you would get the glory? Can you say amen to that this morning? Making sense? Okay, one more, one more scripture. Um, one, more, one more scripture just to kind of lay some, lay some uh, foundations before going into what those three categories are. Romans 12. And I'm actually giving a bit of a clue as to, um, as to the, the, the who gives these gifts and some of, the, some of the purposes. So see if you can pick it up here. Romans 12, 3 to 7. For by the grace given to me, Paul writing, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Okay, pretty, pretty solid uh, uh, you know, statement there. Instead, think sensibly. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one, now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are of one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And we're going to pick up this, this text just now. But do you see the package in which the gifts are given? It's grace, right? We cannot perform or earn our way into, into receiving something God intends to freely give us. It's about grace. Spiritual gifts come in the means of grace. And the context of this verse, just like we read in the other two also, is unity. Do you notice that, that language? The same God, same Spirit, same Lord. In this one as well, he's saying for the benefit of all. You're one body, individually members of one, one body together. You know, that's, 
that's that's what that's what gifts do. It's 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 this it's been used in the context of unity. And you know, one little side note just to mention in terms of this whole gift thing. Um, because God gives gifts that are just that gifts, um, you might receive something that you didn't expect when you ask him. You might receive something that you didn't expect. It would be kind of boring, wouldn't it, if every single time someone got you a present, they wrote on top of the box exactly what it was. I mean, imagine your kids going to Christmas and, you know, opening presents and saying, hi, Benjamin, this is a whatever, tricycle. It's like, okay, well, yeah, thanks for the surprise, Dad, you know. It's the same sort of context. Where would all the fun and all the excitement be if we knew exactly what we were going to get? And for me personally, when it came to understanding this, the spiritual gifts context and applying it in my own life, I definitely received some, some changes internally that weren't there at all. You know, growing up in primary school and high school, I was the kid that kind of faked a sickness to get away from doing orals. Anyone else like that? In fact, I didn't even have to fake anything. I actually physically got sick. And teachers were like, okay, just we'll do yours next year. Just get out. Um, but that was me. That was me. And we go, okay, Lord, can you please impart some spiritual gift to my life? And he goes, here we go. Try some public speaking. And I'm like, sorry, what? Like, oh, sorry, that's for you, Rob. That's for you, Mark. That's for you. And that's for someone else. No. God often will give us something that, that we didn't have. Why? Why is that? We touched on it just now. So that he gets the glory. It's about him. It's not about us. You know, someone would have to look back on my journey and go, listen, that had to have been God. That poor oak sitting in that grade six classroom, cowering away in the corner, that has to have been God. There's no ways he could have done that on his own. And that's the power. That's what we're talking about this morning when it comes to unpacking and building with an eternal perspective this year. How do we build kingdom? It's not about a human natural ability. It's about a supernatural ability that God gives. So is this, is this making sense so far? Are we, are we okay? Fully accessible? It's about God, not about us. It's for his kingdom purpose. One last thing, fruit versus gifts. I think it's important that we just touch on this quickly, just before we get into what those three categories are. Just to, just to mention the, the difference, because it often, it often does get uh, uh, confused and mixed up. So this also speaks to the, to the distinction between good and godly. The passage of scripture that talks about fruits of the spirit is Galatians 4. Or is it 5? Galatians 5. There we go. Remember to read your Bibles, eh? Outside of church. Don't just trust what they're doing when he says it on the platform every Sunday. It's Galatians 5. That was, a, that was a terrible trick. But what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's, he's writing this letter to the church and he's expounding on the difference between a life lived under the works of the law or the flesh or human effort and a life lived under the freedom of the Spirit or grace. And he says that the works of the law couldn't produce righteous living. We, we couldn't earn our way into salvation. We couldn't do enough good things to get the gift of salvation. Only the Spirit could do that, right? It's, it, it comes through yielding to, to the Spirit's leadership. And then he describes the difference between what the flesh produces and what the Spirit produces in Galatians chapter 5. So this is the, this is the, this is the backdrop. And he says this in Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just pause it there for, for a moment. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? He says, the more you yield to the Spirit, the more you yield and, and, and walk, walk by Him, the least, or should I say, the less you will begin to gratify the desires of the flesh. So many people try and correct behavior. Hey man, stop swearing, stop doing that, stop doing this thing. Just walk by the Spirit. <laughs> We're very quick to want to add something, you know, or, or should I say, take things away. Just, just change your focus. Allow the Spirit to lead you and automatically you won't begin to want to do those other things anymore. For, this, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. They're, they're, they aren't the same. 
They are against one another, for these are opposed to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There's no law that we could possibly enforce that could make someone be peaceful. That's what he's saying. And then he lists what the works of the flesh are. So you can see how he's saying these are the things that we do and these are the things that the Spirit produces. And he goes through a whole list. I'm not going to go through it. You can read, read, read up as well afterwards. But he, he goes on, I think it's in verse 15, to say, I warned you as I warned those before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Next slide there. And then he goes on to list what the actual uh, gifts of the Spirit are. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Amazing passage of Scripture. He is saying these fruits are grown. Gifts are given. You see the difference? Fruit is grown, but gifts are given. Fruit is what is produced in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's really, really important when we begin talking about spiritual gifts that we don't substitute gifts for fruit. You know, we don't want in church, which is what we've seen happen over, over many, many years, very, very gifted Christians, you know, but got no character. Huh. You know, people running around prophesying, laying hands on people, speaking in tongues, but got no self-control got no peace, not very gentle. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? <laughs> All the gifts, just no fruit, just no character. And actually, if you, if you think about it, what does true freedom look like? What does is, what is true spiritual freedom look like in this context? It says, yes, I have a gift. Yes, I'm free to express, uh, express that gift. But yet also, I don't need to express it right now in this moment. True freedom says that I don't need to use the gift to prove that I'm free. That's actually true spiritual freedom. I'm free enough that I'm able to wait until an appropriate moment in the right setting to use the gift that God has given to me. And it's really important that we actually talk about this. You know, gift of tongues, great example of this. Anyone ever been in a church service where on the stage there was a lot of that happening and you were very, very confused? Or was that only me? Others as well? What's happening? Now, Paul says in this letter to the Corinthians, he actually says, I would rather you, church, just say five intelligible words that everyone understands than 10,000 in a tongue that only you and God understand. He's actually saying, use your true freedom enough to, to, not have to not feel the need to prove that you're free by expressing that gift in that moment. Unless, of course, there's someone to interpret it so everyone can be encouraged. That's, that's, that's the context. It's, it's not about making myself look good. It's about edifying one another. Are you guys with me this morning? Fruit and gifts. And actually, uh, if you're in business here this morning, or I suppose if, even if you're a teacher or leading a family as well, this is a really, really good leadership principle too, if you think about it. What do I mean? Well, how many, how many leaders, employers, often get caught up in, you know, the, the glitz and glamour of a fancy-looking CV? That guy looks the part, he speaks the part, he has all the gifts, but zero character. Zero character. Not kind, can't be gentle, can't show up at work on time, not very patient with people or things, hardly any self-control, but all the supposed gifts, right? Applies in business too. God's giving us some really good advice here. And he's saying, hey, who would you rather have on your team? Someone that looks like they have all the gifts or someone that's actually teachable enough to actually you know, uh, receive one and grow in those gifts? That's what God is saying. That's how you measure truly if you are, if you are in this freedom that, we, that we're talking about. Is there evidence of spiritual fruit in your life. Not just worldly love, by the way. That's also the big distinction. 
that's the difference between these fruits of the Spirit and just human ability. It's not worldly love or worldly joy or worldly peace. It's Christ-like love. It's sacrificial love. It's joy in the midst of a storm. It's peace on a different level. We sang it earlier. How on earth do you sing in the middle of a storm? You need the fruit of the Spirit, peace, to enable you to do that. Okay, so I feel like I've exhausted that point on fruits and, and, and gifts. So with that as a backdrop, let's have a look at, at three, three categories, three types of spiritual gifts, not to compare with one another, not to brag, not to use as a, as a ranking system, but to explain their function, see who the givers are, and then find some motivation to ask something supernatural of the Lord this year to build eternally with. Can you say amen to that this morning? So the first kind of, of spiritual gifts are given by the Father, God's gifts, and these are known as his creational or motivational gifts. It's the first kind of spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture. The list is found in Romans 12, verses 3 and, and verses 6 to 9. We actually mentioned it just now. It says this in verse 3. We, we, we read it a moment ago. It says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. That's where we get the giver. It's God. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And then he lists them. He says, if prophecy, use it in accordance to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. I love it. Those are God's missional or creational gifts. Um, this, this, uh, this chapter actually starts off with Romans 12.1, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, right? And then he kind of lists, lists, lists these things. But have you ever met someone who just seems to be unusually helpful? Have you ever met someone that just seems like no task is too small for them? They just seem to be doing everything and anything to anyone. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter. They're just really keen to help people. Or what about someone who, who, who seems to express and show mercy so naturally that you've wondered like, how is that, how is that possible? How can they be so so kind, they don't seem to have any angry bone in their body, you know, or, or what about someone that's just extraordinarily generous? Ever met someone that just really exudes this lifestyle of generosity? Father's creational, uh, creational gifts. It's a supernatural divine ability that enables us to go over and above what would just be the expected norm. That's it. That's what he's talking about. Remember, again, in this, in this context that Paul is saying there's unity here. Right. This is not to go off on a limb and say, you know, I am this and I have that. It's about the context of working together and serving God as a body in this way. So we see that he has a wonderful opportunity to ask of God for something. Maybe you're looking forward to this year and you're going, gosh, Lord, I could really use um, a little bit more generosity. Maybe I need to be a bit more encouraging this year. Maybe I need to be a bit more helpful in, in, in my career or teaching. Wonderful opportunity to ask God for these. Amen. Secondly, I'm sorry, I am aware of the time where I'm going to wrap this up in a moment because I really do want to create a moment to pray for us at the end of the service. Uh, secondly, Christ Jesus, the Son, He also gives gifts. And these are specifically for the building up of the church or the body. These are the Son's missional gifts, also known as the fivefold ministry. If you've been in church circles for a while, you'll know about the fivefold ministry, right? This passage is in Ephesians 4 and verses 10 to 7. That's what it says. Ephesians 7 says, for, uh, uh, but grace was, was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. There we go. It's Christ's gift. And then he lists them. It's quite a lengthy passage of scripture. So I'm just going to jump ahead uh, or, or, or should I say, skip the, skip the last few verses and just go to the beginning of their production. He says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, 
evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. There it is. These are the Son's missional gifts. These are what Christ himself has given to the building up of the church. And I really do believe that you know, perhaps us as a church, we've neglected almost to teach on the importance and, and the relevance today of, of, of this fivefold ministry. Um, I think it really is something so special and that is very, very meaningful when it comes to building eternally this year. And just FYI, I found this really, really awesome article uh, online about the fivefold ministry just to help us understand what each of those five terms are. And if, you, if you're taking notes or if you want to jot this down on your phone, you could say that apostles govern. That's the, that's, that's the first gift. Uh, the apostles, they govern. They oversee the church in sound doctrine. Prophets guard. They reveal spiritual truths to God's people. Evangelists gather, right? Gather big crowds together. Pastors guard. They shepherd God's flock. And teachers ground. They help ensure that they impart the word of God to to the church. I thought that was pretty cool, just helping us understand what each of those gifts are. But can we see how those roles are uniquely fulfilled? And when we do so, that contributes to this healthy kingdom building church that we're, that we're talking about. Also in the context of unity. So second one, son's gifts. And then finally, if someone talks to you about spiritual gifts, they're probably going to be referring to this, to this passage in, in 1 Corinthians 12. These are the Spirit's gifts. These are the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. Quite cool, hey, how the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all give unique gifts to His people. It shows you how important unity is. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. It's the Apostle Paul again writing to the church. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There it is. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, or words of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues, heavenly language. And this is really important. He says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. See, it's not about us. These are about the Holy Spirit giving us gifts as he wills. And What's fascinating about 1 Corinthians 12 is where it falls in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 both talk about spiritual gifts. What comes in the middle? 1 Corinthians 13, love. Yeah. It's almost like sandwiched between these two chapters on gifts. Paul says, hey, just remember the primary method here. It's about love. Remember. In fact, he says love, uh, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It really is about building one another up in love. And he kind of uses some pretty strong language there, which you guys can go and read at 1 Corinthians 13, talking about that. But I really wanted to just kind of sketch that as a, as a brief background for us and then leave us with this challenge again, I suppose. You know, why is this all important? What is, the, what is the meaning of this? Well, I want you to imagine that gifts are like pieces of sporting equipment. I use this little analogy, and this is what I'll close with this morning. But gifts are like pieces of sporting equipment. When you step onto the cricket field, for instance, you're going to need a cricket bat if you're a batsman. You know, you're going to need some cricket balls if you're a bowler and some good shoes if you want to get the job done. You know, if you're a soccer player, you're going to need some good boots, right? You're going to need some piece of sporting equipment to play the game that you're stepping into. And so similarly in faith, church, when you step onto the battlefield of your destiny, 
and God's call for your life, when you, when you step into faith this year, you are going to need some tools to get the job done. You're going to need some pieces of heavenly equipment to make sure that we win in this, this, this role that Christ has called us to. We might need some of these supernatural gifts this morning. And I want us to be aware, firstly, that we can access this with God. God is not holding these back. He's eager to release these. But here's the thing. You need to be on the field in the game to, to uh, receive them. And we can't be asking God for pieces of equipment, for gifts, but not getting involved in the game. We need to be on mission this year, church. We have to be on God's purpose to receive the gift to help us fulfill that call and that role in, on, on our lives. You know, it's one thing to sit in the stands and, and, and watch the game go on, but it's another thing to stand next to your teammates and hold up their hand as you raise the trophy, right? And that's what I really believe God is calling us to do this year. He's calling us to step into the field, trust Him, seek His will for our lives, His plan for our lives, and then receive a gift. Let's be willing to receive a gift this morning to make a kingdom difference so that when we get to the end of 2023, we can look back and say, I built God's way. Can you say amen to that this morning? Okay, could we take a moment and just stand together, church, as we, um, as we close in a word of prayer? Rob, do you mind helping me as well just to close this, uh, this part of the service? Um, I did say that I wanted to create a moment just for us to, to trust God for this in some way this morning. And... Um, I've actually asked some of our leadership team just to make themselves available to specifically pray for someone uh, or anyone really that would like to receive something, something new, something fresh. You know, we often say that God is doing a new thing at the start of the year. And um, this morning, I wanted to really just create a moment during the end of the service where we are now with some worship just for us to firstly, just go back to God again and say, God, what is the role that you want me to fulfill this year? We've been speaking a lot about building and Maybe just seek God and say, God, what, what is it that you want me to build this year? How can I look back on this year, having built that thing and go, this made a kingdom difference. This was an eternal difference. And then secondly, ask God, Lord, what would I need for this role? What would I need to build this thing? It could be a relationship. It could be furthering your career in some way. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I don't have to know. It's between you and God. But for that purpose, for that destiny, for that role, ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you need me to have? What, what, what gifts, what supernatural ability would help me build this well for you this year? And then let's just take a moment and, and pray that God would begin to release those gifts over us. Is that okay? So I guess with every eye closed and every head bowed and just really in a moment of worship, I suppose, with those two things in mind, would you mind repeating this prayer after me, church? You can do it quietly or even just in your hearts if you'd like. But just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that I have a unique role to play this year. This morning, I ask that you would reveal that to me. And Lord, I thank you that where there is lack, you can supernaturally provide abundance. So Holy Spirit, please impart into my life that which I need to build well this year, to build eternally and to build with a kingdom difference. Thank you that you are for me. I seek you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I thank you so much that you have called us as your believers to be ambassadors for you. 
And this year, I thank you even now, even in advance for breakthrough stories that will happen in this church. Father, it's not going to come with one person or, or just one, one set of gifts. It's going to come through the collective efforts of your body. And so I thank you for story after story after story of miraculous things happening this year. All because you counted us worthy to hold this eternal treasure, Father. And we commit to fulfilling our role well and serving you so that you would get the glory. And in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Could you give God a shout of praise and worship this morning?